Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes on this, I'm going to say it, glorious Monday morning. Broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Glorious for the Cajun softball team for the first time since 2016. They are past the regional round and into the super regionals. Glorious for the Astros, even though, man, they struggle mightily with the worst pitching staff on pace to be the worst pitching staff in the history of the sport. Uh, they they scored, they really scored seven runs in three games against, maybe you know, the worst pitching staff in baseball for sure at home, uh, which for them is, and, you know, we'll get to that, you know, that rock-ribbed, A's pitching staff, they 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 scored seven runs against. They they in the A's defense gave them three runs, but they got the split. I mean, they got the sweep, seven in a row. I'll take it. And glorious to watch the Celtics go down 0-3. That was just tremendous. But before we get to all of that, it is time to start the show like we have throughout the spring with UL baseball coach Matt Deggs. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you, Kev? Well, um, I'm good. It was an interesting weekend covering the softball regional and, and Baton Rouge, and uh, the Cajuns got the win. There was also a very interesting series that happened in Hattiesburg, and I know you didn't win two out of three, but it seems like, man, I, I came away from that series with a lot of good thoughts, even though you didn't win it. How about that Cajun softball team? That was incredible. Yeah, that was that, that that catch in the seventh, and and them trying to intentionally walk uh, the the young lady that hit the grand slam earlier, right. and she gets game one and hit, and uh, just what a job by Coach Glasgow and Judd and all the coaches over there and players. They're they're fun to watch. Uh, our series was just a it was a it was a grind, man. It was a it was just a, a good scrap all the way around from start to finish and uh the heavyweight fight. Uh great atmosphere. It was rowdy, uh a lot going on for them, you know, as far as honoring Coach Barry and, and what a career he's had and, and then, you know, they honor the next day's five hundredth win and uh you also have senior day and they had quite a few seniors that have really had great careers and uh you know, first game, Tanner Hall, he was on, and uh, he's good enough, man, but, but to have his good stuff and be on, I mean, that that version of him will pitch in the big leagues one day. That's uh, that's as good as it gets as far as sinking it and pulling it. And then he developed a slider that he was able to throw very, very effectively. Uh, thought he would try to pitch our righties in, and, and he was able to stay out, you know, over the plate and run that two seam, that sinker back across and uh, really had us flustered and just did a great job. We had a shot early, couldn't do anything. And then in the eighth had a chance, uh, Jew absolutely melted on a ball. And then uh, rock has a knock and Taylor follows that. And then we just, we couldn't get it going. And 
thought uh, we pitched the ball extremely well. Nezu uh, gave us a great start. One pitch, you know, uh, and they were able to capitalize on it. And, and uh, that was all the score. And then we bounced back Saturday and, and uh, just put together a complete game. And Carson Fluno was as good as Hall was the day before. And the, the hitters showed up and, and answered the bell. And then, you know, Saturday, uh, I got my days mixed up, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the, the finale. And uh, we're uh, we came out, I think it's, two or three jacks in the first inning against a good arm. Ran him out of there in the first inning, got a four-run lead, and got two outs uh, in the bottom half. And they're able to string a little something together and another grand slam. And so all of a sudden we're tied and we battle back and uh, come back, take a three-run lead, and then we, we give that up and uh, it's tied up. And uh, they were able to put something together there in the eighth, and, and that's the way it finished. Uh which is unfortunate, you know. We've seen that too many times this year, where we jump out to commanding leads and have a chance to build on it, and just aren't able to hold it. Which uh, we need to change that trend, Kev, uh, heading into the tournament here, because we're more capable in going over there and winning that thing. All right. Uh, before I get back to the beginning here, uh, the Cajuns finally won't have to in softball face Georgia Clark ever again. Is Lynch a senior too? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, so the Cajun uh, baseball and softball programs, are, well, of course, you could still face them theoretically at some point in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. But if not, uh, got, 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 got those two out of the way. All right, I go. I want to go back. Dawson and I both said, even though you lost the first game four to nothing, you know, like you said, it was kind of just one pitch was the, was the big difference. We both said on Friday, I feel better about winning at least one out of three, which is the, you know, the first overall goal going there. You want to win every game, but the first overall goal. And I, I felt good going in, but I didn't expect 10 to nothing. And I didn't expect, or 10 to one, and I didn't expect eight innings. You know, I was thinking five, maybe six to get eight out of Carson. How does that change? Kind of like, man, like the ceiling for him is even higher than I thought. No doubt. He added a he added a third pitch to the arsenal, and uh, he's really developed a kind of a, a, a change where he splits his grip, call it a split change, and uh, he had great hand speed on it. It was so humid uh, over there that the pitchers were that their that made their stuff really good just because they had a really good grip on the baseball, and he was able to drive that thing downhill and add that pitch to his mix and, and because they come in thinking fastball, pretty good fastball, nice curveball, and that's it. And uh he was able to establish that, that split and uh you know, command it and throw it for strikes just about any time. And you see with the addition of a, a you know, another off speed pitch that looks pretty similar to your fastball to knock you off that fastball and then that curveball really plays up. And that that and combined with he just attacked the strike zone. We got a lot of quick at bats, and uh, he just kept getting those hitters back in the dugout to swing it. C.J. Willis had a nice game in the Texas State series, and he had some really uh, big at bats in, in this series. I mean, it's, you know, we talked about rounding out and lengthening your lineup. If he swings it, then your lineup is really long. Yeah, you're right, and he's had his moments. Uh, not only this year, but throughout his career, he's just a streaky guy. But uh, he's he's really got an understanding now of of you know who he is and what his job is, and he's developed a short game. We can use that. He's he's running the bases extremely well. 
and his approach has gotten cleaned up. And so I feel good about his at-bats, and if he gets hot, man, watch out. All right, so you end up with a four seed. You're going to play the last game on Wednesday. Uh, you know, the way I look at baseball is a little different than some. I got to tell you, I, I don't love the fact that you're playing a team that you just swept for the first time ever, and yet obviously you have a lot of good answers against them. How do you see that matchup? Well, Cal, the thing about a, a tournament or a regional, and you can try to dissect it or break it down, but you've got to beat everybody. And uh, that's the only way you get through it. And so uh, it doesn't matter who you play. I think it, it helps. It gives us confidence knowing that we played extremely well against them. Uh, you know, it's kind of they, – they had the same thing going in last year. Uh, but to, to win a tournament, I know this, we've got two of the better arms going one and two, and I, I feel good about that. They've got some good arms as well. And uh, you've, you've got to be able to score to win and uh, then match zeros when you have to and continue to play great defense, which we have all year. If you play great defense, limit the freebies, and come up with big hits in a tournament, you're going to be there for a while. All right, we talked about how advantageous it was to be playing Texas State at home as opposed to the road, and we saw a lot of deep fly balls caught with against both by both teams in that series. Would you say that Riverwalk and Montgomery's kind of in the middle of you know the Teague in 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 their park, or how would you classify it? Yeah, that's a good comparison. I, I, it's definitely. Uh... Definitely more pitcher-friendly than their park. Uh, not as pitcher-friendly as ours, obviously. It'll depend on a little bit of which way the wind's blowing, you know, what the weather's doing. Uh, but I, I thought, you know, from the, the couple of years we've been over there, that it's a very fair ballpark, and uh, it's a fun place to play. Uh, the city of Montgomery does a great job. The, the league does a great job of hosting it, putting it on. And uh, hopefully we can keep it there for a long time to come. So, um as far as one of the things that I like is the way things finished. You didn't win the series against Coastal, but you probably should have. And you played a you, you lost two out of three to Southern Miss, but you played them on the road, and it was toe to toe to the very end. Uh, you know, I, you kind of like I like the fact that you've kind of proven, like you you just said, you can beat every anyone. Like there's no. You know, this is looks way more doable, at least from the – I know you always believe, but from the outside looking in than it did a month ago. No, you're exactly right. And, you know, I, we beat LSU. They were ranked one at the time on the road. and Got after uh, Campbell, and uh, they've obviously had a great year. And gotten after uh, Coastal, and like you said, should have won that series. We got two outs in the ninth. Uh, gotten after Texas State, gotten after Southern Miss, and uh, – you know, it boils down to, to being able to function together on all three sides of it. And, and uh, you know, a lot of a lot of series, we've had two of the three. Uh, very few have we had all three. So I'm looking to put it all together uh, for a good extended run. We're more than capable, and we're definitely good enough to be in the postseason. All right. So is your number one concern right now just bullpen and how that will shake out, or what is it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's the that's the elephant in the room, and 
you know, I think you overcome that with good long starts and, and uh, scoring a lot of runs. And you are at some point going to have to have somebody, you know, rise to the occasion and pitch above their ski tips. And that goes on both sides. You're going to have to have somebody at some point, be it Vayon or Willis or Max or whoever it might be, rise up and clutch up and, you know, clear the bases for us. That's just the way tournaments go. Absolutely. All right, sir. We appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much, and uh, good luck in Montgomery. All right. Thanks, Kel. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. on a Monday with obviously a lots to talk about. Softball. Um, there were so many things that happened this weekend in the softball games. And, and it's it's so interesting when you when you follow a team from the beginning of a season through the end and all the ups and downs and all the changes especially on this Cajun softball team that have been made and one of the one of the questions I asked coach Glasgow last night is like I can't even imagine how many decisions coach Glasgow and his staff made during this season, so many changes, not just from game to game, but within every game and within every inning, from the beginning of the season to the last, and 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 finally to to to, to win that read. Now, look, the season's not over. Again, the goal was to go to Oklahoma City. The goal is not to reach a super regional for this program, but for Coach Glasgow, when you haven't done it the time that you've been here, but then, you know, that's a huge first step. And I, I, I get that. But, um, and it was, you know, a huge, as he put it, gorilla off of his back. But, um, and then when, when the press conference started, and it was quite a memorable press conference because the electricity kept going out three separate times at the presser. And they had we had to wait, and poor Carly Heath had to answer the same question three times because <laughs> the light the lights kept going out and her mic went out. Um, but when the presser started, McNeese was up six to nothing. The the moderator guy, who by the way is very very nice guy, enjoyed talking to him all weekend. Um, he shows Coach Glasgow on his phone that it's six to nothing. Well, when the when the presser is finally over, and it was a long one because of all the the power outages, um, we go over and the and people are out there watching on their phone. It's six to three, and the bases are loaded with two outs. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding! This cannot happen. And then it's six to six, 
and everybody's just you. At that point, you just felt like, well, it wasn't good. Now, the only thing that gave me some hope is remember that it, that had just happened in the third inning of this game that had just finished. You know, people say, well, I've never seen that before. Well, it kind of happened in the third inning about an hour and a half ago. I mean, really? I mean, the Cajuns were up six to nothing. It didn't happen all in one inning, but six runs happened in that one inning in the third. And, um, you know, I, I've had a, an ongoing argument with a friend of mine for years, and his stance is he, he kind of looks at closers like I do at quarterbacks. They get way too much credit. And I, I tend to agree with him some, but the basis of the argument, he's like all outs are the same. And I disagree. I think getting an out in the first or second inning is not as easy, as as difficult as getting that out, especially as an underdog, in that last two, three outs, to me, are harder than the first three outs to get. Um, and I understand some teams are slow starters, but I think those last three outs are more difficult to get. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't – you know, if the middle of the order's up in the eighth, you know, in a baseball game, say, or the sixth in a softball game, and you put your quote-unquote closer in in the eighth inning, I got no problem with that. In fact, I think it, there's a lot of sound logic to it. I think it's, you know, agents and salaries and all that play into all that. So I, did, I agree that you don't always have to save your closer for the ninth, but I think the last three outs of a game, or more difficult to get than the first couple innings, especially as an underdog, because that team, like Washington, playing at home, they're supposed to win, and so they're gonna go down. They're not gonna. They're gonna have, as you call, as they're called, they're gonna grind out the at bats, and you're gonna have to get them out. You know, I was a little worried about. The Cajuns doing that in the game last night. And, of course, Alexa makes a diving catch, uh, which helped. And uh, they were able to get out of it. One of the things that was so impressive about the Cajuns' win yesterday to me is when they came up in the seventh inning, it just happens almost so easily. Like, first pitch, Lauren Allred single. It was like the second or third pitch, and Carly Heat singles to right. And then, boom, executed the bunt, which, look, they don't bunt that often. They really don't. They don't bunt nearly as often as a lot of softball or softball teams did years ago for sure. And But Alexa executed the bunt. And how about Alexa? I mean, I know she didn't feel that one really hard. It was a, it was a shot that she didn't feel, but the inning should have been over anyway. But by that time, but – in the six-run third, but she hadn't been hitting at all, and she hit pretty well in this in this regional, and she made the great catch. And again, a lot of people are going to forget she got the butt down and put you know down by one, uh, put runners at second and third, and then the whole intentional walk fiasco. You know what was going on i'm trying to work to get a story finished i didn't see every one of those pitches so did it was it the catcher's fault it's it sounded like it was the pitcher's fault listening to coach torino but did the catcher sh- should have caught the ball or no 
It was a pretty bad pitch, um, and especially like when you're going intentional walk. But I, I brought this up in the first show. Like I watched a lot of regionals around the country. Uh, softball pitchers don't know how to intentionally walk people. Uh, that was obvious to me. Like this was not the only regional where that came into play, uh, where balls were like, and I mean the Cajuns did it too. Where and and with uh, Kandra and like they were balls, but they were like right down the middle, but just high. And I was like, let's get this a little further outside. And there was a couple of pitches in that at bat where she was trying to walk somebody where it's and again, like in baseball, the rules have been changed where you just point down there now. So this was this was weird to see. And it's I don't know why softball hasn't changed the rule. I kind of like it because obviously it's an all time moment here. Um, but the first couple were terrible. Then I actually when it got to. So then I didn't realize eventually that that first pitch that was a wild pitch that scored the game tying run was a, was called a strike. So then. She throws another one down the middle by mistake, and it's called a strike. So now it's 2-2, and Campbell's sitting there, and they're still like putting the hand out like it's yeah, a walk, like, but it's a 2-2 count. Right, and she's like, it's like, are they trying to trick me? Like, yeah, she's well, like, what's going on here? And I actually, and I thought, and so I guess Coach Jarena said that it was still an intentional walk was the plan, uh, because I actually thought... Because on the last pitch that it Campbell looked like hit, they called it off. They, the well, they walk. did it initially, and then right when the pitch was thrown, the catcher got back in her stance. Now, I guess now I'm realizing that was just because she just was expecting it to be bad. But I thought maybe they tried to go like show intentional walk and then throw strike three real quick because maybe Campbell will take it. Well, luckily Campbell's sitting there ready. Like there's so many moments like within that moment, that was an insane sequence of yes, softball. Yes, it was. And so for Jordan to be ready for it on the two-two count to recognize that they might throw a strike by mistake again, and then to hit a missile in the right center. I mean, it's unbelievable. No, what 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 a day for Jordan Campbell. Look, I, I went and told Coach Glasgow after the game, I said, Coach, I got it. I don't know that I would have stuck with Jordan Campbell the way he did. Like, she did not hit very well. Nothing like she did last year. Now, she was coming off an injury and – you know, she was moving to all these positions, and you never know how that's going to affect a hitter. And she she didn't get consistent at bats. But I don't know when it was, like a month or so ago. It was almost like he said, "Okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna start playing Jordan." And you know, she's an she's not a senior, but she's like been around for a long time. She's a very seasoned junior, and she was the best hitter on their team last year. And he just, you know, and she didn't always have great at bats. And I, like I told him, I said, I don't know. Obviously, I'm on the outside and I'm not there in practice every day. So I don't really know what I would have done. But I, I don't know that if he asked me, I'd have stuck with her. And man, in, in the biggest day of the season, she has, you know, the game of her life, two homers and, and the critical RBI single you just talked about, drove in. Eight runs. I mean, a three-run homer, a grand slam, and uh, just a incredible uh, day that she had. And uh, she's such a nice girl when you interview her. And uh, no, it, it it's it's incredible. Then you got Sophie Piscos, who's obviously had some sort of an injury. Like she's running around like with her left arm, you know, not fully functioning, and pulls her out of the game for a little while and tries to put her back, and she's just such a ball of fire. And, but for a while there, she was just crushing balls. And No, there, there, there's so much to to think back um, with this team, and, you know, you just never – you know, he, he, the problem is if they had lost a one-run game, everybody would be bashing the coach. And 
it's it's why I, I, you, you got to understand going in. Now, the one thing that did happen that I'd have to, you know, they overcame. Going in, I said it's going to be about who gets the two-out hits and who, who doesn't who doesn't allow the two-out hit. And truthfully, LSU got way more clutch two-out hits than the Cajuns did in this series. The Cajuns just were able to score enough runs before they got to two outs because they didn't really get hardly any clutch two-out hits the whole weekend. And, and and what I will say to that is the Cajuns had a couple of two-out homers with runners on, three-run homer and the Grand Slam, whereas a lot of LSU's two-out hits, with which Pleasants, who they could, they still didn't get out, she hit a lot of RBI singles where you survived it. And so I think that helped a little bit. They didn't clear the bases as many times as right. the Cajuns did. Um. You know, but the the two hits that I really, if they had lost, you know, like in the first game that they lost to LSU, when Chloe came in, she she got like she struck out the first batter, and then she gave up the two out hit, which scored two runs. That was that was huge at the time because it, it's a different game, you know, especially if they don't botch the base running situation. And again, that happened. It should have been six to six or could have been 6-6 six to six coming out of the third, but they gave up that extra hit once they pulled the pitcher and, and LSU were, was able to take the lead. And then Pleasant's got a clutch two-out hit with a runner on second a couple of innings later. So they, they got so many of their runs on two-out hits, uh, and Jordan's grand slam wasn't with one out? I I think it might it have was been. with might one out. Yeah, I think it was with one out in the first inning. But no, it was um it was obviously a great moment for the program and to win. And I I I didn't know, you know, a lot of people here were saying LSU was probably not real happy. And I didn't know whether that was true or not. Um but after listening to LSU's coach in the postseason, in the postgame presser, she wasn't happy with it. And one of the things that she, I mean, I already knew it was true, but she really confirmed is this idea, like, they don't seed the two seeds. We kept, I think a lot of people think, well, that means the Cajun, the, the committee looks at the Cajuns as a 20-something seed. No, I said that that was not, that's not accurate. Like, the the two part, of, the two seeds is very geographical. It, they don't. It doesn't mean that, you know, if you're the two seed in the 16 regional, that they look at you as the 17 seed. That's not how it works. It's geographical, and because she basically said yesterday she is going to be the ringleader of we got to seed the two seeds and make it more fair. Um, and she's, you know, look. I remember interviewing her a few years ago. And it was after they had beaten the Cajuns. It was here. And I asked her how familiar, it was fairly early in the season, like how familiar you are with the Cajuns? How much had you seen them? And she looked at me like I was from Mars, she said, and with an intense look like I seen every one of their games. Like, she, it's almost like she's obsessed with being as prepared as she can. And I, yesterday they asked her a question: How much have you seen Jordan Campbell? She says, "I've watched 32 Cajun games this year. I've seen a lot of Jordan Campbell's at bats." And you can tell she's just like, and she, they were crushed. I mean, she was just crushed. I get it. Um, 
But part of her point was that since the Super Regional format started, it started the Cajuns and UL have been in a regional more than any two teams in the whole country. And, and her point was, like, enough. Like, let's have this a little different. And I wonder if that had something to do with the crowd. I mean, I, you know, I don't know enough about LSU softball behind the scenes. People are saying she's best not real popular. You know, a lot of people get mad at Jerry. I mean, fans are just crazy sometimes. I think they go, you can criticize without going overboard. And so many of them go overboard. But from the first second I got there, the people were going, where's the LSU crowd? Like, where's the LSU crowd? Like, people came up to me, where's the LSU crowd? I said, I have no idea where the LSU crowd is. I don't know. I mean, I think there probably were more red shirts than purple shirts in that ballpark for a, the, over the weekend. Um, the, I heard Raymond talking about empty seats, and I think it was because there weren't a, a, as many LSU fans as they thought. But none of that matters. They won, and we'll see what happens. All right, we'll take a timeout. Be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 337-706-0111-706-0111. Before yesterday's doubleheader, I decided to put out this little, I was just thinking, how realistic is this for the Cajuns to do? And by the way, it's never been done before. The Cajuns have never won two games on Sunday to advance out of a regional five times before they were on the flip side where they were in the catbird seat and got beat twice, including that that first shocking one at, at home uh, in the mid-90s against Utah. And it, it happened um, also under Coach Glasgow, that miserable trip to Oxford that we've talked about before. Um, so I'm like, okay, how likely is this? So I put, I put out a thing, three reasons why I think they could do it. Like it could happen. Three reasons why I thought it could happen. And one of them was they have deep pitching. A lot of times it doesn't happen because you just run out of pitchers. Well, the last three innings were three scoreless innings by a freshman who hasn't pitched that much since midseason. And so I think that kind of played out. Like, they have a freshman in Chloe Riosetto who has, you know, she was one of the heroes of their first win against LSU in Baton Rouge in the regular season. Um, And, you know, Megan Sherman didn't pitch to her, you know, as good as she, we've seen her pitch, but Kendra did okay. Sam was okay here and there. I thought Carly did fine while she was in, and Chloe pitched very well. So I think their deep pitching played a role in this, whereas LSU went, they pitched a lot of people in the first game yesterday, but they went with the freshman Burzon. She pitched the whole game yesterday, gave up nine runs. I mean, I, that was just a little bit bizarre. Um, 
I guess people are questioning that, like the McNeese, they're questioning the McNeese coach for for not pulling the pitcher uh, until it was too late. Uh, the second reason why I thought that they might win, could win, is because I was hoping for the Cajuns' sake that their bats had kind of got going with that elimination win over Omaha. Because again, you go, the Cajuns have not been swinging the bat. I mean, they really hadn't. They they didn't hit the ball at all in the um, in the Sun Belt Conference tournament. I mean, they won three low scoring games. They weren't swinging it at all. And um, I remember when they played ULM at the end of their year and, and swept them, they had a couple good games, but ULM gave them most of the runs. They didn't really, like, just crush balls to get them. Most of the runs were given to them because uh, ULM was struggling. But I, um, I was like, I think maybe they're due to score some runs. And, and, and you know, maybe that elimination win Saturday night – over Omaha, we get their bats going a little bit, and the bats did way better late, you know, yesterday than they had been doing. And the third thing I said was that I think having their backs against the wall and being an underdog, they just play that role better. And I think that I didn't like some of the things that were said. I, I thought that I thought some of the players and even Coach Glasgow kind of there came on a little too strong in their public comments about everything. I think all that does is 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 hype up LSU's players, especially when you have an emotional player like Georgia Clark, who's like the emotional leader of the team. And she got ejected yesterday, and probably should have. Maybe you could argue, maybe could have got ejected earlier in the game. But um, so I think back against the wall, playing more than underdog role. I thought that would getting back to the chip. Um, us against the world kind of mentality I, I thought could have played, could have helped them. And I think all those factors played into them coming back yesterday. Um, they didn't play perfect. You know, they had some bad base running mistakes. You know, they, they could have played a little better defense. Their defense wasn't awful, but in several areas it wasn't good. Um, you know, they left some runners on base. They didn't play close to a perfect series. And I got to tell you, LSU's lineup was better than the lineup the Cajuns played when they faced them the first two times. Their lineup, their five, six, and seven hitters did a lot more against the Cajuns in this weekend than they did the first two times the Cajuns played them home and away this year. And so, um, you know, we talked about Taylor Pleasance and Georgia Clark, and I was saying you got to walk her, and they didn't. So they look if the Cajuns lose, they'd be bashing the coaches' staff for not the the only problem. And look, I say Walker, but you know I'm, I'm I made my opinion on that. You know, last Monday I was talking about that, but the only thing about that is when they did get her out in the first game, the game that LSU won, they got Georgia Clark out. She didn't wasn't the reason why. No, no one said, well, that was terrible that you pit. You know, they didn't, she didn't do anything in that first game. So, you know, you, it kind of goes both ways. We get kind of self-serving with that stuff. But but still, I would not have pitched to her. Not, not especially yesterday when they had runner on nobody on first base and, and two outs. I, I wouldn't have pitched to her. But uh, she showed you why I was concerned with her yesterday. Put it that way. But like you said, they don't ever have to face her again. That's a good thing. And Lynch hits two grand slams of all people. 
And, you know, unless the Cajuns meet up with Southern Miss, which, am I right, that, that can't be till the finals? That can't be till the finals. Is there any chance, because I've been so preoccupied with softball, I haven't really examined the bracket. Is there any chance the Cajuns will face someone they haven't faced all year? Yes. Um, there is a... There's a reseeding that's going to go down after the elimination games. So uh, the, the the lowest remaining seed is going to go on to Southern Miss's side of the bracket. It's not straight up playing in. So out of the 7, 10, 9, 8 matchups, the lowest seed that comes out of those goes on Southern Miss's side. and the uh, Or no, the lowest seed goes on Coastal side because they're the one seed. Um, Which so is the, the Cajun side. Yes, so the worst the worst team, quote-unquote, out of the, that gets out of that elimination round goes on the Cajun side, and then the other team, the high, the better seed, goes on Southern Miss's side. So it could be Old Dominion that comes to your side of the bracket, um, and it could be. So the Cajuns, if the Cajuns win, they will play the winner of the lowest seed against Coastal in yes. Coastal. Yes. Yeah, I, I I just think that I was thinking about that while we were interviewing Coach Deggs, like that kind of change, like that is a different deal because, again, the Cajuns, as a Cajun fan, I would say, got a chance to be Coastal. We saw Coastal. We saw the Cajuns play Coastal. And, you know, they lost the series, but very just as easily could have won it. Saw them against Southern Miss and lost the series, but just as easily could have won it. Um, and so... You know, they didn't play well against some other teams, but I think they've proven they can beat everyone except for like a – or match up well enough against everyone, is, I guess is what I should say. Yeah. But ODU could kind of change that a little bit. And the only team that they know will not be on their side of the bracket that's in the playing games is James Madison because they're the seven seed. So if they win, they're automatically going to be on Southern Miss's side because they can't be the lowest seed that comes out of those games. So you're not going to have James Madison on your side of the bracket. You could have anyone 8, 9, or 10, though, just depending on how it works Well, you out. know how I think. I would want to play James Madison because yeah, you well, I would. by him. I would actually, too. <laughs> and James, there was a scenario where James Madison would have been your first-round matchup if things would have went well enough, or App State. And I'd have probably rather play either one of those teams over Texas State because I do agree. I think it's tough. I just don't – your pitching pitched so well against Texas State for three days. It's I don't know if they can pitch that well against them again especially considering they've seen everyone you have, and they're going to probably see Nezu again, and, and you'd have to hope that he's as good as he was, and I'm just not sure he's yeah, going to Yeah, I'm just that, – that, I don't like that scenario. But it is what it is. Like you said, you, you just – I mean, at some point you can't worry about it. And, again, I'm, I don't expect him, Cadence, to go in with a lack of confidence. I just kind of seen this before. It's just yeah, a little concerning. And it is worth noting, last year, now it was, of course, the tournament got shuffled around, ended up single elimination, but they had to go through the best three teams in the conference last year, and they beat all three of them. So that is uh, yes. something they've done before. No, I feel good about where they are. I just don't particularly love the playing someone in the first game that you just swept, but we'll see. All right, that'll do it. Another segment to follow. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game again. The game hotline is 706 0111. Want to say happy birthday. She's still in Houston, but happy birthday to my daughter, youngest daughter, Riley. Her birthday is today, and she went to an Astro game on Friday night. And I've told the story already. She does not like Jose Altuve. Uh, thinks he gets way, way too much credit. So, of course, <coughs> it was so fitting that the, 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 the first game Riley goes to is the game that Jose Altuve is coming back to the Astros after being out all year long with his broken thumb. <clears throat> and so what does he do? He um, They hit a ground ball up the middle, and he stands there and doesn't go get it. And then they steal a base, and he doesn't cover the bag. And she's like, get this guy off of my team. I'm getting these texts. He, is, he does nothing. Get him off of my team. I said, calm down, calm down. <sighs> but for, look, it was a struggle. It was like pulling teeth all weekend against the worst pitching staff anyone's ever seen so far. Now, I got to believe they're going to get better, like baseball's going to start getting some people out. But um, Astros struggled all week, but they at least they got the wins. Again, it's just about getting the wins. At the end of the year, no one's going to care. But, no, don't worry, it's the A's. Uh, that was not good advice. Yes, it was. <laughs> no, no, it was Not good series. advice. Had a lot to worry about. Framber was dominant. The A's didn't have a chance. Barely, barely won two of the three. He games. barely threw a complete game shutout. Is that what happened? And even, even on Friday, they ended up winning five to one, but it was a struggle. I mean, they didn't do anything until the A's gave them some runs with some, you know, dropping the ball at first base. And even with some gift runs, they they just barely they they average what about three runs a game. I know we make fun of the A's, but they are still a professional baseball team, and they still have major league players for the most part. They have a couple. <laughs> Langelier's brother, he's a pretty good hitter. No, <clears throat> he uh, he can throw. I mean, his he can really throw the baseball. Like he has a cannon back. No, they're not playing very many major league players. I mean, they're not as good as the last. The last time the A's did this where they kind of, whenever that was, four or five years ago, their young players now aren't as good as those players. Like, they, they're, not, they're not as talented as they were when, they, when the young players came up and they were just playing them. But, you know, they had Chapman and Olsen and all those guys. You know, you know they had really talented. There's no Olsons and Chapmans on this team right now. <clears throat> and, look, the Astros pitched well. Look, the Astros, they have the best – they have the lowest ERA in baseball. So they're still – they're winning because they pitch. Well, most of the time. Um, I know there's some people that think the, the bullpen – has gotten off to a rocky start. But the bullpen didn't get off to a great start last year either. It's just down the sh- the second half of the season, the bullpen was just, you know, historic. And, you know, I, I don't know that the bullpen is going to be that good the second half of the season, but I still think it's good. I still wouldn't trade the Astros bullpen with any in baseball. You know, when they were giving up some runs earlier, and I'm like, people were like, oh, we got to trade to get a reliever. I'm like, who are you going to get rid of? 
I mean, has Montero been great? No, but it's still the best bullpen in baseball. And that's why they have the lowest ERA in baseball, even though they haven't pitched all that great by their by what we remember their their pitching was the second half of last season. So but offensively, obviously they had an awful weekend, but they were able to make it work in El Perro Grande. Oh man. Hits the game winning home run. It's just good that he's on on your team. I mean, he's good. I'm glad he's on my team because uh, <clears throat> he has he's such a clutch hitter in, in in so many ways. And so we'll see what happens when they go to Old Familiar. It's been a while. Used to be a division team. They're playing in Milwaukee. We have some friends from our church who are up there going to be at that game. So hopefully they get a W. We'll see. One more one hour down. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337 We talk Cajun baseball and Cajun softball. We mentioned the NBA. Folks, <clears throat> there's every reason to believe now that both conference series conference final series, I should say, are going to be sweeps. Like, the Nuggets are obviously just better than the Lakers, okay? Um, I guess it's possible the Lakers will win, but it's old and <clears throat> beat up as they are right now. I just I just don't see it happening. Do you... Do you really want to fly back to Denver and get your faces crushed in Denver? I mean, do you really want to do that? We'll see. Boston, on paper, is better than Miami, but we all know that on the on the court, they're not. And so I fully expect that. I mean, it looks like they're both going to be sweeps. Um, I don't want to keep belaboring the whole Bucks thing, but man. That's why I don't know. Maybe they should have waited. Like, I wonder if they're even, like, if they'd have waited until the season was over, if they would still pull the trigger after seeing what the Heat have become. Like, not only are the Heat going to be in the finals, they're probably going to sweep. Sweep in the finals to get to the finals. Sweep. I mean, they're just crushing everyone. Look, when you look back on it, the Bucs didn't play that badly. I mean, they really didn't. When you look at what they've done with these other teams, including the mighty Celtics, um, the Bucs played pretty well. They did pretty good. Like, wow. I mean, that, boy, that, I mean, look, that made my night again even more last night. Get it, because I was so preoccupied with everything in softball. Get in the car and find out that the Celtics got their faces crushed. That's funny. 
All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Trying to mess up my glorious morning, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, y'all y'all played pretty well against this Heat team. I mean, look, Kevin, I love my pro team, but when it comes out where my heart's at, it was what, what that team they won yesterday, but that's where my heart's at. I understand. And that was very glorious, Kevin. You know, we talk about this team when they, when they had that freshman class last year, and now they got this good freshman class coming in. And I think Jerry, that was his first two real full recruiting classes because he came in too late for <laughs> other classes he got before. So I think Mr. Glasgow is building something right here that is going to be this more foundation upon foundation to where I don't think he, you, you haven't seen what he can do at the, at the peak of this program yet. Well, again, you hope that's the case. You just, you know, there, there's so much negativity sometimes behind the scenes and destructive people and voices and criticism. And if they can survive the transfer portal and not lose, because in today's sports, it's not just softball and it's not just UL, it's all over the country. We'll see how the transfer portal treats them. And just because you lose players doesn't mean it's going to be all that damaging. Uh, it just depends on if players leave, how many, and which ones. And so we'll see. But, yeah, on paper, if the majority of them stay like, you know, you hope, um, then, yeah, you you got you, you love their depth next year. Now, again, their pitchers are not going to be have three seniors in them in there. Um, and so there's going to have some questions in the pitching department. But their everyday lineup should be fantabulous, yes. You think uh, Mike Thibodeau and Georgia Clark are going to exchange uh, uh, Christmas cards this year? <laughs> hey, did you see when she hit that home run yesterday when she was rounding second base? She pointed to Thibodeau, so Thibodeau said, that's for you. Did you see that? Well, I didn't know exactly what she said. I, I, I was told that she saw one of them. You, you think that one's a home run? Is that a foul ball, something like that? I, I don't I don't know all what was said, but, yeah, I saw it, that something was said. Yeah. No, I read a list on that, you know, I was watching on TV. And I also read Jordan's list when she got the first base after what was going on with them trying to test me walking. She said, what the blank is going on? And no, no, she said, what the blank is that? You, you, you see her talking to uh, the first base coach, uh, you know, Alasis. It's exactly what she said. Yeah, what the blank was that? Yeah. I mean, she was confused what was going on. I mean, I know she was happy she got the hit, but. I don't think she knew understood what was going on until the end. <clears throat> it was uh, it was a scenario again, like Coach Serena said that she's going to be thinking about that, um, you know, for the next six months. You know, Kevin, remember we were talking earlier uh, when the, the Cajuns got put there. I said, really, sure, it's not a slide on the Cajuns. It is a slide on the Cajuns. They didn't hope, but it was really a slide on LSU. And Bart Torino was echoing that uh, that sentiment uh, big time yesterday. Yeah, she she um, yes. I mean, in other words, she her her strong belief, and I don't have any issue with her believing that is that the two seeds should be seated as well, and they do it for for money reasons. You know, I'm sure COVID didn't help. The if if that was if the, if it was something they were thinking three or four years ago of doing, COVID probably postponed that or killed it. Uh, you know, any chance she's going to get to making that happen by next year, the next year, I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's it's geography. It's financial reasons I would think they do it that way. You know, going to their matchup with Washington, 
I like to look at super regionals or, you know, like even in the NCAA after the first couple of rounds, you look at what conferences, how many teams they got, you could tell what conferences are doing good, you know, and wants to be fair. You know, the Pac-12, they lost. UCLA got beat yesterday. I never would have thought that. But other than that, the Pac-12 did pretty good this uh, this weekend. Stanford, Washington, and uh, Oregon, and Utah all advanced. Yeah, and I got to so correct you. Trying to say maybe Washington is not as bad as maybe they're perceived to be. I think they could be pretty good. Oh, they're definitely good, but I do want to correct you. UCLA lost. They didn't lose yesterday. They were gone by Saturday. <laughs> they lost their yeah, first right. two. <laughs> like, like what, 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 like, remember they got killed by Utah in the conference tournament. Like, I wonder if something happened behind the scenes. I mean, the fact that they got, they didn't win the regional is, was not, I guess, was surprising, but not like, Mind-blowing surprising, but the fact they got went 0-2 was pretty surprising. Like, no one could have predicted. They were, what, 52-4 and or something. Yeah, but you know, I was, I was watching the end of their San Diego State and Liberty game, and they were talking about how San Diego State always would go to the – just like we go to Baton Rouge, they always would go to UCLA. That's the regional they were always stuck at. And San Diego State won that regional, and they didn't even have to play UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ain't that crazy? Yeah, oh, it's nuts. Nuts. But uh, anyway, fellas, it's a glorious day, and Kevin Sovereign in on my parade and talking about stuff that's upset. Okay, Bye. I'm sorry. I didn't do that for FedEx, man, but you got to admit, it's kind of it's ironic the way that has worked out, that the Heat have been that dominant, just crushing people. All right, let's go back to – oh, I'm sorry, not that there. No, it's – um. I mean, there's so many different facets. Now, <clears throat> it sounds like Dawson watched some of Washington, whether it's Dawson or anyone else, because I didn't see any of that. I was getting updates throughout the weekend. You know, I, I kind of knew the score most of the time, but I, I didn't see any of that series. Any impressions from actual Washington's personnel? Um, yeah, they. everybody in the lineup looked like prime Babe Ruth in the seventh inning. They didn't swing the bats for the previous, um, what, 13, 13 innings in the, yesterday. Yeah, for the previous 13 <laughs> innings. Uh, and then they beat McNeese 3-1 to one in the 1-0 and game. They, um, they're pretty good. Like, they're a very good team. Now, I don't think they're scary, but they played in the Pac-12, which, yeah, now has some mixed results. How good was the Pac-12 at the top? Was UCLA as good as we thought they were? I don't know if you really learn all that stuff from regions. I, want, Again, it's I just wonder if yeah. there's something behind the scenes with the whole UCLA. Like, yeah, that it's, was, it's that's strange. strange. Yeah, because obviously talent wise, I mean, they lost to a Grand Canyon team that never won a regional game, and then they lost. You know, it's even when they lose that game, you go, okay, well, you got to beat them twice. So San Diego State or whoever's in the winners bracket, we'll see what happens there. But then they they lose and. It wasn't all that competitive, and, and even in the elimination game, like to Liberty, like they, they lost. It wasn't like this fluky play, too. Like they lost the game. Same thing with Grand Canyon, really. Like, so anyway, that, uh, with that aside, I think Washington's going to have good pitching, a lineup that's pretty balanced, and when it gets hot, they can really swing it. Um, but I, I don't know if you'd be scared of their lineup. I think they're very comparable to LSU talent-wise. And, uh, which is and again, also I know you still disagree with me, but I, I don't. I don't I haven't changed my opinion. The reason why I'm okay with traveling to Baton Rouge, even though I don't disagree with Coach Serena that it's time to change all of that. I, I don't disagree with that, but is that you want to you want to be able to go, you want to feel like you you're on pretty even footing. 
Like, LSU could have won that regional, obviously, yesterday. But, I mean, they were beatable. Even if they, even if LSU had won, like it looked like they were going to, you know, in the fourth, fifth, and sixth innings yesterday of, of the second game, they were still beatable. And I know you say, well, UCLA lost everybody's view. I get that. But I, I, I still think the Cajuns could go to Washington and lose two games. That could happen. Obviously, it's it's possible that could happen. But I think on paper, it's a winnable it's a winnable situation. It, it's not even. And what I say about winnable, I mean you don't have to play great and you could still win. Like I don't know that the Cajuns played great in Baton Rouge. They played okay at times, but I I don't know. I don't feel like they played to their potential in Baton in the regional. But they still won. I'm saying you don't have to play like super fan, fantabulous to win. And I feel the same way about this. That's why you don't want to play one of the top seeds. Yeah, but I used to, I I just we disagree there. I you still want to host. I so said, you would like you would be perfectly fine with going to Norman this weekend. I would not be in a fan of that situation, but I also told you the whole time I thought there was a huge difference between going to Oklahoma and going anywhere else. And I think that was proved correct as UCLA <laughs> lost and Florida State. My Seminoles were on the verge of losing as well. It took a perfect game from Catherine Sandercock for them to beat South Carolina as the number three seed, one to nothing in the winner take all game. So I just I always thought there was a huge difference this year between Oklahoma and everybody else, and I wouldn't have been afraid to go anywhere that wasn't Oklahoma. But, yeah, it's it's a great opportunity to go to Washington. Although, as it ended up working out, it had been pretty cool to have oh, you'd have had been. San Diego State coming to you or McNeese coming to you, or maybe you'd have went to San Diego. I don't know how that would have worked out seating-wise and how they do that. What is the pr- procedure on that, by the way? Because you said that they had <coughs> confirmed that it would have been the Cajuns host. Well, yeah, but but the number one reason for that is McNeese was a three, three seed. seed. Right. But it, so it San Diego State was a two seed. I don't know. I think you I think you would have rebid like you'd have each put a proposal and they'd have chosen if they were both at the same seed. Yeah. I don't know what San Diego State's facilities are like. Well then I had heard too that and I I know facility like capability of hosting, but if both were capable of hosting I've also heard that the winner of the higher seated region, and that could posted. be that could be the tiebreaker. But it's I, I yeah, know. it's confusing. They don't lay that out there to just know. It's always like a we'll see what happens. Because then in the COVID year, there was this crazy thing where they were talking about if a non seated team won both regionals, then you'd have, we'd have played in Baton Rouge. As remember that that yeah. whole scenario, we'd have played at <laughs> yes. Baton Rouge against somebody else, which was a, also just a weird situation. I just remember in baseball there was the the whole example all those years. Fullerton was a great team, but their facilities weren't good, so they like they always traveled. And then they'd be, and then there was regionals where they would be one seeds at someone else's stadium, which right. is like the most unfair thing that's ever happened in college sports. But it was their own fault. I mean, you know. So, uh, I um again I I still I understand they needed to win a regional and they finally have um I think they played better in Oxford than they did in Baton Rouge this weekend they just didn't win I mean they just didn't win I mean I know we're so result oriented you know I get it it's all about the results but um. I'm just happy for Coach Glasgow that he didn't have to take, I mean, get all the criticism and anger and venom that Coach Serena's having to take right now for sure. It is, um, it's tough. And I think they have a chance to win. Although, going to Asia, 
Of course, McNeese survived Asia pretty well. I mean, they didn't win, but they played well. I mean, the trip didn't like they because McNeese actually played a doubleheader Friday. Like they played thirteen innings. They actually played a doubleheader. Crazy. We'll take a timeout. Be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. If you would like to get in, look, it's Monday after a big softball regional with the Cajuns and the Tigers, so we're going to talk a lot about it. And certainly, if you have any more thoughts on that, feel free. We had, it was unbelievable if you have not heard, the Cajuns would be hosting McNeese in the Super Regional this weekend at Lamson Park. But McNeese was leading six to nothing in the last inning. And Washington came back after having zero runs scored in 13 innings. The first 13 innings played yesterday scored seven runs in the last inning and won. It's just unbelievable. Um, <clears throat> that could happen. I've heard different things that they were playing too deep. Dawson tells me that's not true. Either way, it was a ground ball to short that if they make the out, like throw the first maybe, and make the out, then the game's over and they win. Oh, it's just to replay that in your mind over and over. And Coach Tarina did in her answers yesterday, you just realize the agony. And almost every time – I like what Coach Serena said yesterday. The first time she said, I'm going to replay and second guess myself on that for the next six months. And the second time was the question was leaving the freshman pitcher in the whole game. And did he, did she think about going to Kilponen? You know, and she said she did in the Jordan Campbell at bat with, with that whole intentional walk, whatever that was. Um, And she says, I'm going to think about that for the next six months or six years or 16 years. (laughs) I'm going to be questioning myself, second-guessing myself on that. And every time I see that or I hear that, I, I, I always, my mind almost always goes back to NFL films. Like, Dawson, you're young. I don't know if you've seen all those old, the old NFL films of when, Lou Saban was coaching the Buffalo Bills. And back then, you know, the Patriots cheated in the last. But back then, I keep reminding people, in the 70s, everyone said the Dolphins cheated. And the Bills lost a controversial game at the Orange Bowl against the Dolphins. It was a bad call at the end. And and in the press conference, the the sports writer tells him, Coach, we saw the replay. It was a a bad call. And he goes, don't tell me that. And you could just hear the anguish in his voice. Have you ever seen that? Not that one specifically. Oh, just you could just hear the 
anguish in his voice. That's what I think of when I think about these coaches that have to live with these decisions and the outcome of games. You, it's rough. You know, I and I guess look, I I there was three Louisiana teams playing in the regionals that I watched like, you know, every game of their regionals and all three coaches didn't do the way my mentality is. <coughs> I think in those moments at the end, you put the seniors in the game that are that are your best players, and you live with the results that way. But it's funny to me, and I kept in in UL situation. I kept thinking, is he gonna? He's got to go to Shorman here. He's got to go to Shorman. Somebody who's been there before. And he went with Riasetto. Now for them, it works out, and Shorman's gonna pitch again. LSU did not put Kilponen in the game. They stayed with the freshman. Kilponen's been there forever. I kept thinking, man, you got to put the senior in who's been there before. And if you lose with her, you lose with your senior. And McNeese didn't go to Whitney Tate until the game was tied already. They stuck with the junior in Vallejo. And again, Vallejo was fantastic for that entire game until the seventh inning. But all three instances, they had really experienced senior pitchers that are arguably the aces of their staffs. And none of the three coaches went with them. They all stuck with the younger players, which I just thought was interesting. Because I think as a coach, my move would have been to go with the senior. No, a lot of people probably would have. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning, Kevin. It is a glorious day. What a, what a Sunday! I'm still I don't want to call it a miracle, but there's this there's this mystery in sports that nobody can really define. But it's amazing how momentum can lend itself to victories and losses. And the Cajuns had all of that momentum they they got from the first inning just sucked out of them. And the fact that they did not quit and stayed in that game and allowed them to come back and win it in the last inning, to me, is the story of that game. I just uh, – it hats off to the – that's gutsy. Because if you've played anything from flag football in your fraternity up to professional sports, you've been there when the tide just turns and it's a snowball that you cannot stop. And the Cajuns ran into that and gutted it out and came back. And that, that to me, is so impressive – I can't sing their accolades enough. I think the coaching decision of the day was obviously pinch hitting uh, Jordan Campbell in the first game because if she doesn't hit that home run, there is no second game. So there were a lot of decisions made throughout, but Coach's best decision obviously was that first pinch hit. With regards to McNeese, I just think the moment got too big for him. I think at some point, like you said, the shortstop should have gone to first game over. I think at some point the coach needs to come out to the mound just to slow the game down a little bit and let them regain their composure. Because uh, much like uh, those runs were scored with two outs, the, the LSU Tigers, seven of their eight runs, I believe, were scored with two outs. So we always say two out hits win <laughs> ball games. I think McNeese let the moment get away from them, and they're going to have regrets like the coach at LSU. And I, as a Cajun fan, wouldn't it have been awesome, McNeese and the Cajuns in a super regional in Lafayette? That would have just been off the chart crazy fun. And now you got to go to Asia, my brother. Yeah, are you going to cover the game? Oh, decision hasn't the, been made. The super yet. regional hasn't Good been. Good Lord made. Almighty! That's the first thing a buddy of mine where I were texting. We're like, now Foot's got to go to Asia <laughs> in quotation marks, and that's what's going to drive him crazy. But look, uh, changing the subject and not to be Debbie Downer, but I'm I'm just. The Cajuns, uh, their 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 national champion water skier Mickey Geller had passed away at age eighteen, and they still have not said what the cause of death was. And I don't know if you've even followed that or have any insight into that. I just find it very strange. 
I mean, I know uh, about yeah. what you're talking about, but I have no insight. No, I don't know the answer to your question. Okay, they still have yet to say. I think he. It was still. It's a few weeks old now, but they've still yet to say the cause of death. I think they finally just buried him. But what a what a tragedy! An 18 year old kid. He was national champs for the Cajuns in water skiing. And uh, the mystery of his death is just baffling. But if somebody can shed insight into that, I'd appreciate it. I mean, prayers go out to him and his family. It's just such a loss. But to get back on track, hats off to the Cajuns. I don't know if I've ever seen a guttier performance by the softball team, and they've had plenty. So to win two on Sunday in that stadium when all their momentum had been lost is just a credit to the coach and the team and – as fans, we can't be happier for y'all. I'm hoping some of them are listening uh, and reveling in their glory, bro. Have all a super all week, right. man. Thanks. <clears throat> well, again, and you know, this program has done a lot other than winning a national championship. About the only other thing they hadn't done they did yesterday and never come back when needing two wins on the final day of a regional and done it. And they have been in the other side five times. And so they, they know what it feels like. And uh, now they get to enjoy this side of it. Yeah, and, and Joey brings up the momentum shift. And I think what what is not getting talked about as much, I brought it up already once, but is Carly's home run in yes. the sixth is just huge. Because when you're down <clears throat> two, it goes 8-6. You still haven't held them off the scoreboard. So Carly hits a solo homer and kind of gets everybody back engaged, gets it back to one run. And that sets up your seventh inning, which I think is just that was a that's the reason. I don't know if you don't score that run there, I don't think you have much of a shot to get to. No, and Jordan brought up that point in the post game press conference yesterday, how important that home run was. I think it kind of, you know, we probably overrate momentum some because I think sometimes, like we as fans or media members, worry way more about what's going on than players. I think they're still in, a lot of times you're like, oh, this this is a sinking ship, and you look down at the dugout and they're cheering and banging and clapping hands. You know, I don't know that they get as worried during the game because they have, you know, that's just kind of their makeup to to stay in it um, as fans and media members do. But but no, I think it, it was like, okay, this is not hopeless. We are not done. I, I think it delivered that message. For sure, and 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 that was that was definitely important. All right, so LSU plays at nine thirty Wednesday against the winner of Georgia and South Carolina in baseball. So we will not have a show Wednesday unless I guess it all gets rained out, or I don't know how you know. But we we won't have a show Wednesday. If LSU loses, we won't have a show on Thursday either because they'll be playing at nine thirty again. Now if they win then they'll be playing later in the day so we will have a show on Thursday so we'll see how you know all of that plays out it is um LSU you know they won the series and yet I don't know if the the talk about their team is any different you know so we'll see you know, and they might play Georgia again. South Carolina early in the year was just looking fabulous. They struggled a little more down the stretch, so we'll see what happens. And in a baseball, in any of these conference tournaments, you just don't know. Some teams are really engaged, and some teams are like, all right, we'll go play, and we'll see what happens. Hard to know. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back.
This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in, talk softball, college baseball. We haven't we talked a little bit about the Astros, but not much Major League Baseball. Uh NBA playoffs. Um I don't I mean, I don't know that anybody if if it, if they both are four zero. I didn't hear a whole lot of people predicting that. I mean, most people like say like six. I heard some seven predictions from some of the experts, and and and, and I think the reason why they there were some six and sevens predicted on the Lakers side because the Lakers prior to this series hadn't lost any home games, so they figured well they might win at least one or two home games. That doesn't look like it's going to happen. And no one thought the Heat were going to win both games in Boston, but that they would probably win all or most of their home games. Uh, I don't – like, how do you win game four? I mean, I guess it's possible one of these teams are going to win. But when you're down 3-0, unless the other team just loafs, and just gets plays really over overconfidently. But if the Nuggets and the Heat play to around the same level, I don't know how how you don't just put the team. I mean, your chances of winning are are, are so little. I mean, it's never been done before. So there's so little. I I just wonder how 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 do you muster up enough energy to do it? But I guess we'll find out soon. Hello, you're on the air. Hey, Kevin, it's John. How you doing? Good, sir. How are you? I'm fine. I just w- wanted to make a comment. Of, uh, you were talking about the decisions that Coach made and the fact of uh, using Campbell. I thought it was a great decision also to use our lefty pitcher, I'm going to butcher her name, Chloe Riaceto. Right. Uh, I mean, she was she was unbelievably uh, poised, pitched three innings, and and without her, I don't know if we win that game. No, she did very well. I, I kind of thought he would bring in Shorman, too. I, I was – I don't think I'd have brought Sam in in the position that he did after she had pitched before. I don't know that I would have done that, but uh, I was a little surprised that he didn't use Chloe more down the stretch because he used her a lot early and not just in mop-up duty. I mean, she plays in in the opposite. I mean, she comes into the thick of it in, in the times that she's pitched this year. And, you know, I think he think he's expecting her to be very like a weekend starter next year. I think is the plan. I mean, we'll see what happens, but I'm in a. I think she he plans on her being in that in that fight next year. So he really believes in her, and yet he didn't use her much down the stretch. So I was surprised how many big innings she threw over the weekend, and she did well. You're right. 
And the other thing that shocked me is when they were they were going to uh, walk Campbell, and they had the wild pitch that scored a run. They didn't walk her. After that was the uh, the plan. You would have thought they would have go ahead and walk, walked her because she was so hot in that game. And then she got a hit. I don't remember if we scored any runs on it, but I know she had total like eight RBIs. Well, yeah, her, she singled to right, and that was the game-winning run. Uh, it was – Look, it was confusing. Well, first of all, we're like set up, and look, I appreciate it because we had an overhang, and it we you know it was hot enough. I was sweated enough, much less being like Oxford where the sun's just beating down directly. But we're way up that right field line, so it was hard to really determine if these pitches that were going over the plate was on purpose or just bad pitches. So I was like, I kind of my initial reaction was, well, they changed their mind. They're not going to intentionally walk her after all. So the whole scenario was confusing. But Carly, he said in the postgame press conference, and she's a pitcher too, and she said intentionally walking about is very difficult. I don't know why. But may, it seems like it's less difficult in baseball than it is in softball. But she said it's very difficult, and she's seen it botched before. I don't know why it's so difficult, but it, apparently it is for them. Yeah, because you would have thought that the catcher would set up on whichever side of the plate they were going to uh, well, try did. Walker. Because it wasn't the one that got away wasn't that far outside. So, you know, she. I think it was as much the catcher's fault as the pitcher's fault because we were watching on ESPN Plus, and I was shocked. And and she really zipped the ball. You would think if you're walking somebody, you would slow it down so you were sure you could uh, pinpoint where you want to throw it. Yeah, it it was it was bizarre. Now again, the coach. Tarina was asked more than once, and she kept saying the whole plan was intentionally Walker. It just wasn't executed. And, you know, it was a freshman pitching, and she made the point that maybe she, you know, they had done it. She didn't have enough experience of doing it in a game, and they had worked on it in practice, but she hadn't really done it in a game. Uh, you know, that's that's it's a it's it's it was a bizarre scenario. Again, there were so many ups and downs, and someone made the comment yesterday it was like three games in one game yesterday. Kind of was exactly. Yeah, it was it was it was crazy, but it worked out for the Cajuns. We appreciate the call, sir. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. Take care. I um, do they not stand far enough away? Is that I mean. It well, seems like the old school baseball they stand they 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 go out further away. I I would have to go back and look at it, but from what I remember what actually happened on the first one, the one that got away and tied the game is she stood up and then she jumped outside expecting it and the ball crossed her up and was basically on the other side of the plate. So that's why she missed it is cuz she was jumping to that outside that you would typically see. And so she jumped back and then tried to cross over and catch it, and she couldn't get back in time, and it hit off the tip of her glove. I'd have to watch it again, but that's what I remember seeing. And then, but like, yeah, after that, then it's like she didn't want to go out there because she was scared, so then she kept staying. She would, like, stand up and put the hand out, but then she, again, like I mentioned, the one that Campbell hit, she she was back into a crouch like she was planning to catch the ball. 
on a normal pitch on the last That's one. why I thought they had called it Same. off. Same. So did I. I yeah. thought they had gone with the, okay, it's somehow a 2-2 count, and I don't know how it's there, but here we are. So let's act like we're going out intentional walk and then throw strike three and see if Campbell will just take it. I thought, but it doesn't sound like that was the plan. But again, yeah, like you're mentioning, she got so scared from the first time where she jumped outside and the ball got past her. She stayed. She stood there. And I don't know if that also messed with Burzon because she didn't trust. To, she didn't want to throw one wild outside. A lot going on. But again, yeah, and if there's a coaching thing that could have been made there, you maybe go out and talk about it. Say, look, calm down. And I don't know if they had visits left. That stuff gets murky, too, with the rules about how many visits you have left. Yeah. But her to just go out there and say, look, calm down. We're going to walk her. Look, catcher, here's what we're doing. We're standing outside, you know, Burzon, throw it. 10 feet outside and high, and we'll we'll be fine. But it just kind of seemed like the moment got – and it happened so fast. Again, and that's another thing that happened in the McNeese game that we were talking about earlier. It's – you know, you're just used to seeing coaches come out and talk to pitchers when things like that happen. And every time Washington got a hit, it's, it felt like I was sitting there going, all right, well, they're going to they're gonna calm it down here, come talk to her. But then she's back throwing another pitch, giving up another hit, and it just like they needed to slow the game down in those moments, and they didn't. So that was interesting as well. There's a lot of second guessing. I mean, you know, I think the McNeese fans are second guessing, leaving the pitcher in. Before I, when I left the press conference, people were saying they were playing too far back. I heard that comment twice from people who were just watching the game on their phone. I, I didn't know what they were talking about. It made it. My first impression was that the outfielders, because a lot of times you'll play your outfielders with a big league real deep and give up too much. So I thought they were talking about their outfielders were playing near the warning track, and so they were giving up too many singles, but apparently I, that yeah. wasn't it. Well, I thought the Cajuns, I thought that was a little bit when Pleasance hit that blooper that fell in when, when Maya couldn't get to it, and I was thinking, man, why was she so deep to begin with? But that ended up not really hurting them. I think LSU got a run in that inning, but not like – but, yeah, there was a couple things like that. But I don't – that's – I see what they're saying about where the shortstop was playing, but in my opinion, when I – and I watched it back. I watched the replay a couple times because I was wanting to see – I still think if she fields it and throws the first with no hesitation, I still think she gets her out of first, even with where she was playing. Just think about player, whoever, coach. I mean, just replaying that in your mind over and over. It's just, whew, that's, that's a tough thing to live with. So 13 of the 16 seeds won, correct? The Cajuns, UCLA, and Oregon. Yeah, so San Diego State, who will beat UCLA. Right, the UCLA Regional, right, yeah. UCLA lost, Oregon beat Arkansas. So, to FedEx Man, I think it was FedEx Man's point, um, a lot of a lot of Pac-12, and again, the softball is a Pac-12 sport. I mean, it, it... Which, you know, one, and I know we're on a break here, but the one last thing I want to bring up that would be interesting to see... It would change our entire conversation that we had about the Super Regionals and the Regionals and the matchup and the path that's getting there is I've heard talk in the past of the idea of reseeding after the Regional round, and which I don't think is fair, to be honest, because then in that situation, right, the Cajuns would be either going to Oklahoma or going to Florida State or something like that. The idea that you would then take them and reseed whoever's left, but I don't like that idea for the record. No, that's I don't, something I don't like that discussed. idea either. Now, who discussed that? I've heard National? it talked about with baseball, yeah. And I think the idea is that you want it in baseball, especially since the one seeds have been going home so often. But again, they haven't even been getting a super, so it doesn't even matter. But the idea that you should help the one seed out as much as you can. But I just think being the one seeds help enough. I think at that point, you go out and win the tournament. 
But yeah. I mean, I get the logic behind, well, you've been the best team all season, so you should get the quote-unquote easiest path every step of the way. But but on paper, it's supposed to be the easiest path. Right, but then they're saying sometimes, you know, a 4 or 5 seed catches a break by a surprise team winning a regional, and now they don't have to play a great team. Yeah. So they're saying, well, the one seed should be the ones who get that favor because they were the one seed. But yeah. anyway. I don't think there's not not always that big a difference between one and five, but I guess some years there are. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. If you would like to get in, I um, again, we've talked a lot of softball. One of the points that I haven't made, I really thought when we got the word right before the game that Carla Heath was starting, I was a little surprised. And at that time, I was thinking, well, He's just going to go, you know, one or two innings with every pitcher and just see what happens. Uh, and you can see that 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 old school Johnny Holstaff approach has been going on in elimination games for years. More of a baseball thing, but it could work because he has more of a baseball t- type pitching staff. But when the Cajun scored, excuse me, scored six runs in the first inning, I'm like, this is perfect because Carly throws strikes. The way to lose when you get a six-run lead, typically, is walks and errors. Now, Carly didn't have a walk problem. They ended up having an error problem and gave, you know, six unearned runs um, because of a couple of errors. Now, to Coach Glasgow's point, those were really hard-hit balls. These weren't, like, super easy plays. But when they hit the ball right to you, obviously, you know, theoretically, you need to make the play. Um, But I thought Carly did fine uh, pitching. And... Again, LSU hit the ball better than I was expecting them to. Now, you know, they got Pleasance and Georgia Clark out a few times. But overall, I thought LSU hit better than I thought they were going to hit. Now, you know, the the whole let the freshman go all seven in, I, I don't. I don't know that I have an explanation for that. And maybe... Um, you know, it just seemed like she was probably, and even Coach Arena said it, she was probably out of gas in the seventh. Well, I don't, I don't, I'm with you. I probably wouldn't have left her in. Yeah, and but, the Cajuns haven't hit Gilponen all that well historically either. So, yeah, that, that was, but she pulled Gilponen pretty quick on Saturday. Um, With a lot less, you know, of a of a barrage from the Cajuns and yesterday. I, I don't know. I you know, who knows why coaches make some of the decisions they do. But look, Coach Glasgow, other than pitching Chloe Riassetto, he kind of did what he's been doing for the last month or so. You know, he got in a routine where Laney and and and, and Jordan Campbell 
were not starting every day. They would they would come in to normally one of them would start and the other one wouldn't and, and one he would have at least one of them, if not both of them, where they could be pinch hitters in a you know in a key role. Now one time over the weekend, I I don't remember the inning, but I thought he would he didn't pinch hit Laney. And then in a time when I thought he should pinch hit her, and then she let off the next inning as a pincher. I'm like, wow! Well, it was when they had a runner when, on third and one out in the first game on okay. Saturday on 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 Sunday. I was gonna say no the only- on Saturday they had a runner on third and one out. The game they lost to LSU, and I'm like. That's when I would have pinched hit Laney to drive in the run and try to get the 1-0 lead. Yeah, the only one I was confused about was when Ashte got the at-bat, which she ended up singling. But And, and then that later, you realize that's because Sophie was hurt. Sophie was hurt, yes. But, yeah, that was where, where Ashte went in, and you go, Ashte's in the game. And then I mean, and hey, she got a hit. Yeah, she did. It was a solidly hit ball to left <laughs> yeah, field, too. I mean, so at that point, I'm like, man, things are just going their way today. But And then all of a sudden, they're losing, you know, 25 minutes later. It's cr- it, look, it was crazy. It was a crazy um, day yesterday, no question. And so, you, I got to believe they're going to have to leave. Are they? I wonder if they're going to leave a day earlier than they normally would because they're going thought. to Asia. Yeah, that was my thought. Well, and you know, I actually wonder this too. I, I don't know how close how close Coach Glasgow is with Coach Landrino, but you wonder if he gives him a call and says, "How did y'all handle going there?" Oh, I'm I'm sure. Well, more than that, you know, what did you do to get well, their yeah, pitchers that out? That too. Now, how close? Which Cajun pitcher is more like Tate and Vial? Um, I mean, Tate's got a lot of drop stuff from what I've uh, gathered. So, I mean, and Cajuns don't do a ton of that. I guess no. Sam would be the closer. Of yeah. the two. Um, but that's the funny thing, too. Like, again, if, if he likes his matchups, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Riaceto pitch or we see, you know, Carly pitch a lot if they like the matchups. They seemed very matchup. And again, LSU has a million lefties. That's not, which I guess lefty righty matters a lot less in softball, but it's still a factor. Yeah. LSU, what did they start? Seven lefties? Yes, they had they had a lot, no question. All right. Well, we got all week to talk about this, so we'll take a leave and tell you goodbye, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Have a good day.